to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks with uh, Blake Howard and Sophie Lye. Uh, it's Geeks time, which means it's time for the Gaggle of Geeks podcast. I'm Sophie Lye, also known as the host of So Hot right now, joined by, as ever, Blake Howard. How are you? Oh, doing all right. You sound like you're out and about. <laughs> I am. I'm in Melbourne. I'm recording that with Sophie's contacting me from another state, folks. That's how dedicated we are to Gaggle oh, of Geeks. Look, that's right. Making a call. And look, we've got a lot to talk about. Mm. One of the biggest geek movies of the year finally is out. It is. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, Solo, A Star Wars Story, uh, we have talked about it many times on Gaggle of Geeks. If you just want to run down, it is the origin story of Harrison Ford's inimitable, amazing and iconic rogue and rascal Han Solo, um, starting out his life on his home planet of Karelia as an orphan and seeing how he starts the outlaw life, being drawn into a criminal crew led by Woody Harrelson, joining forces with a little guy who we may have seen before in The Empire Strikes Back, played by Billy Dee Williams, now played by Donald Glover, Lando Calrissian, and the unification the birth of one of the greatest cinematic bromances of all time (laughs) han and chewy let's not forget that and so we get this movie that actually comes together pretty well after a hell of a lot of uh controversy behind the scenes which soph and i have covered deeply on gaggle of geeks changes of directors things being cut people being recast and soph and i went to the midnight screening on wednesday in sydney together to see it yeah, we're nerds like that, aren't we? Just geeks, we sure are. Geeks like that. <laughs> Soph and I went, like Han and Chewie, together to see this movie. I'm Chewie, clearly a much hairier than Soph. She's Han Solo. Um, Yay! <laughs> so, so, look, let's start with this. Mm. Any movie that has the Millennium Falcon yep. and Chewbacca, mm-hmm. for me as a film critic... And this is where I wear my subjectivity on my sleeve. Should instantly mean that that movie is two stars. <laughs> instantly. Right. Before I've even seen a frame of the movie, my blood has been so uh, poisoned by George Lucas's amazing Star Wars universe that if I hear the words Chewbacca and see him and hear the <laughs> and see a Millennium Falcon, I should literally be immediately coloured and swayed in the positive. But this movie is a safe, boring, and essentially ready player ones, the Han Solo story, into this big masturbatory love letter to George Lucas and Star Wars fandom that over and again, every single moment that it tries to be something that itself, it reflects back and throws in some piece of Star Wars fanboyism, some line some freaking reference, some Easter egg that just bored me to death. (laughs) In a movie with Chewbacca and the Millennium Falcon, Mm. I felt nothing, Soph. I felt nothing. (laughs) And look, occasionally it looks good. It's got some some quite well-positioned shots. You know, it doesn't really 
look and feel like a Star Wars movie in the same way I would, in my mind, that Rogue One didn't really look and feel like a Star Wars movie in some elements. Um, you know, there was some inve- visual inventiveness. Um, you know, some of the characters are quite well cast. I think, you know, uh, Donald Glover, who everyone's been raving about as Lando, is way more cute than he is outstanding. Mm. Um, Alan uh, Alden Ehrenreich, you know, he's a competent Han Solo, but, uh, you know, Harrison Ford is inimitable. So he was pushing shit uphill from the beginning. Uh, it, it, I, I, I should be the target audience for this movie. You know, a guy with issues <laughs> and uh, daddy issues, particularly struggling with, um, struggling with what goodness is and, and, and sort of a little bit of self-doubt. But I, I just didn't like this movie at all. So... <laughs> talk to me okay so for me it was just like everyone like I came back from the midnight screening and I was like that was so not worth a midnight screening <laughs> at all like I stayed up for this like it was fun it was a fun action romp but I didn't feel anything like I just went home and was like oh yeah I saw that like that's something I would play before I'd go to bed to like you know softly get me to sleep it was just so meh um and as you mentioned like I was really looking forward to seeing um Donald Glover as young Lando Calrissian like I started like you know poking your ribs once they started <laughs> like you know zooming into him like oh my god Blake is here but I actually found his performance quite underwhelming yes did I? like everyone's raving about it. I was like oh it was all right I wasn't getting the full Donald experience I got that watching, like, This Is America. I'd rather watch that, like, you know, 20 times over to make up the lost time that I did watching this film. Yeah, um, look, I agree. I, and I think what the problem that Soph and I may have, and this is something that the Star Wars universe, you, you know, this might break me away from the fandom, which is, number one, I'm sick of all this navel-gazing bullshit. We're about to, you know, talk about Boba Fett movie being greenlit, the wonderful James Mangold being a part of it. I'm just sick of looking back and giving the secret histories of characters that we do moderately know about um, uh, in order to pad out a sort of retro retrofit a Star Wars cinematic universe together. Um, for me, I, I mean, this movie is fine. And, you know, we don't usually do scores all that often um, for reviews, but I think it's really apt. So, you know, a fine movie score, a movie that's fine or good or a fun action romp, would probably be a three-and-a-half-star movie. Mm. So if, I'd say it's if, three. It, it would be a three-and-a-half-star. But take away one star for Chewbacca because <laughs> I felt nothing. Take away another star for a Millennium Falcon, and you get my score. It was one-and-a-half out of five at best. Wow. I'm never going to watch this again. I have no desire to watch it again. No desire to watch Rogue One again. I would way rather okay, watch I'm Force gonna, Awakens. Are we going to do this again, aren't we? Okay, I really enjoyed Rogue One. And the thing I enjoyed no. about this film was the characters I didn't know. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge as L3, the droid, I thought was brilliant. Um, yeah, and until spoilers. <laughs> until spoilers. Look, we can't talk about that stuff. We can't talk about Phoebe Waller-Bridge in an isolation because we were going to want to spoil her fate because that's, for me, where it completely kills it. Yeah, look... Uh, like, she's yeah. brilliant, but if you haven't seen the other stuff, um, Fleabag and Killing Eve. Fleabag, amazing. Brilliant stuff. So check out her stuff. But it was, like, for me, for Rogue One, it was following a bunch of characters I'd never met before. I know all these characters in Solo. 
I did not feel invested in them, even though I know them. While Rogue One, I was like, I actually, there was emotional punch in that. I know you're going to disagree with me on that, Blake, but Rogue One as an anthology story, I thought it was brilliantly done, as, as you would call it, a navel-gazing film. But this one, it was just, hey, let's just wank off all the fanboys. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what it is. Um, yeah, it, it, that, I mean, there's nothing more to say. Look, I, I think Rogue One probably pips, pips this absolutely over the top because, again, it's, it's, it's exploring new stories and it's being brave enough to take the universe forward. Um, and I think that that's the, that, that, that crippling, reflexive uh, way that George Lucas started this whole journey, going back with the prequels, um, really, it, it's, it's, it's just really the mode of the universe at the moment when it should be going farther forward. It should be pushing into sequels. It should be coming you know, full circle with stories and then moving into new characters. I, I, I just hate this looking back. We know. So how do you feel about Boba Fett? <laughs> Look, James Mangold is an incredible filmmaker. He's written and directed some wonderful films. Copland, uh, he did the, the Wolverine before he did Logan. Uh, he's just an incredible writer and filmmaker. And him doing... A Star Wars movie as a as in isolation is exciting, but it's both fat, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I, I was going to say because you said the exact same thing about Gareth Reynolds before Rogue One came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I don't care. I, I just don't care. I, I'm like, I would see ten other movies that uh, James Mangold made before a Star Wars movie. If he made another random cop movie, if he made a western like Three Ten to Yuma, he did the amazing remake of Three Ten to Yuma. If he did that, I, I'm in. But I just have no desire whatsoever to see a Boba Fett movie. But I'm going to see it. This is what geeks do. We're sort of these weird, self-flagellating obsessives who end up going to see these movies where maybe we don't. And, I, and, I, and I'll have extremely low expectations walking in there. Um, but I won't go to hate it from the outset. I definitely didn't want to hate Solo. Mm-hmm. Guys, I've, 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 I've hated on Ron Howard talking about heat and comparing it to heat, which it wasn't, uh, comparing <laughs> it to Thief, which it wasn't, which is dumb. Um, um, we've, we've hated on Kazdan saying that Lando's pansexual. Well, show me sucking a robot's dick. Show me, show me. Um, this, I really wanted to like Solo. Like, I have I have deeply ingrained memories of bombing around with my brother's Millennium, original Star Wars Millennium Falcon and getting in trouble for flying it too dangerously through the house. <laughs> and now, I, I, I was made for this. This movie was made for me. Yeah. And I, I didn't like it. I like, didn't like it. I was saying to you right after the film, like, when The Force Awakens and we saw the Millennium Falcon again, there was like a huge rush of emotion, like, you know, and everyone just grabbed whoever was sitting next to and was like, oh my God, it's back. And you you thought that you would feel that when, like, you know, um, Han first got on the Millennium Falcon in this film and it was just like, oh, that's nice for you. Nah. It was just nothing. Just no emotion, no nothing at all. Ugh. <sighs> Well, we're not we're not going to end on anything high here, really, guys. Which no. which sucks. Um, the other big news this week was we've had another couple of people on our gaggle of geek shit list this uh, this week. Hang on, Blake. Hang on, Blake. We need to be official about this. You are officially on my shit list. Uh, number one, which is actually kind of actually this is the good news. Harvey Weinstein, the perverted, psychopathic, uh, asshole, um, douchebag that he is, has been arrested. So. Yay. Just good news. Handed himself uh, in, finally. In so after, you know, uh, uh, countless accusations of sexual abuse, um, career manipulation, and now just flat-out rape, um, particularly at the Cannes Film Festival, he's been arrested. So 
Um, more power to the investigative might that has actually wrangled this evil douchebag. Um, so, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes these bad guys actually get brought to justice. But unfortunately, there have been two other big ones this week. Number one is uh, Morgan Freeman mm. has now been accused of uh, sexual abuse. And in fact, there's been some video footage that has come out this week. And I think the Batuta, he- uh, Batuta Advocate headline put it best where no nice guys left in the world um, <laughs> when uh, you find out Morgan Freeman has been up to this sort of stuff. And I actually the was other not one, surprised at all when it came out. I was just like, oh, I'm yeah. De- I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm deeply surprised and unsurprised at the same time. It's a weird, <laughs> conflicted feeling. I was just like, and then yeah. I, And then otherwise, uh, Arrested Development, which is another amazing one. So uh, mm. tell everyone what happened with Arrested Development this week. So it's been renewed for a fifth season. So the cast members got together to do a bit of a round table interview as a way of promoting it. And they, of course, started talking about Jeffrey Tambor, who plays the patriarch in the, the series. And he was recently um, fired from Transparent for Abuse. And thing was, he was also abusing people on the Arrested Development set. He was like verbally abusing um, oh i'll just i'll give you one correction so jessica waller who plays the mother and his wife on arrested development actually was on transparent too as well so the abuse actually took place on the transparent set not on the arrested development set so even though they are now working back together in arrested development and knew each other from a long history on arrested development that is when the abuse actually took place it was on the transparent set so it seemed to be engulfed in this sort of, uh, you know, Tambor's ego or whatever whatever the, the case was that uh, yep. made him feel like he could do it. But Jessica Waller is now sort of confronted with the fact, again, that she's obviously not working with him on Transparent, but the show's been cancelled, yep. but is um, also now uh, sort of confronted with it. So, yeah, break it down, what happened? Well, she pretty much talked about how he verbally abused her and said, um, in almost 60 years of working, I've never had anybody a yell at me like that on a set. Now, when she said that, all of her male co-stars were like, started defending Tambor, <laughs> saying it happens on every set, particularly Jason Bateman. Yeah. And uh, literally got... they all got together and pretty much gaslighted her and saying, oh, it wasn't that bad, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And it's, it's, this, this is a really weird one. I mean, because uh, from the outset, it's wrong. Uh, mm. the, the way that they approached it was wrong. The way that Tambor potentially approached it, you know, if, if they could have a look at it on reflection and could hear themselves through objective ears like us who are sitting outside it, mm. um, I think they would absolutely agree with us. And the weird thing is with this particular group of people, and I'm not, and I don't, no way endorse what Tambor did and no way endorse what Bateman and, those, and co did in that. They should have handled it in a completely different situation, in a completely different way in a situation. Mm. But the one thing that I would say what makes this even weirder is. This is like a weird little family. And so also you've got to remember there's a point where you've worked together for however many years. I think it's like 15 years in total, these guys on and off have been working together. Mm. And there's that level of comfort that you have sometimes when you work with people for a long time. But at the end of the day, you're a professional, they're a professional, you're working. And so whatever like perverse way that you shift out of professional into personal because they're like my family now doesn't entitle you to be an asshole to them. And get you away with it. Yeah, Whereas, and you shouldn't treat maybe, your family like <laughs> assholes anyway. <laughs> no, you shouldn't treat your family, but at least your family, you know, who, who are around you and love you, if you have a bad moment, um, 
you know, you're not in a workplace. Like, your family love you and are related to you by genetics. So there's not too much that there's they can do about that. There's got something called disowning them, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think this Arrested Development crew, there's there's been some po- articles, and I'll try and get them for uh, on one of our posts in the coming weeks. But there's some really interesting write-ups around that weird blurring the line between professional and personal and how some of that is, you know, perhaps, you know, a, uh, uh, people are leaning on that as a crutch to excuse poor behavior, which it's not. At the end of the day, you're both being paid to do a job and you shouldn't go to work feeling like crap every day um, and, and, and be, you know, lining up for abuse. Yeah, but it's, yeah, but the thing is all the male coasters were like, well, we can't do rest of the vote without Jeffrey Tambor. And it's like, okay, great. But it doesn't, Look, think, but as, think, but as Aaliyah think, Shellcott said, like, it doesn't mean his behavior was acceptable at no. all but and they were very like the women in that interview they were like very quiet about because all the men were like really defending defending jeffrey tambor and it was just like oh this is yeah, really no. weird and of course they all came on twitter the next day going oh we're so sorry didn't realize it sounded like that oh we're really yeah. really really sorry yeah like i said i think if people could hear themselves sometimes with objective ears they would change their tone they change their tune right so mm. yeah look it's it's really interesting and i think you know this is an opportunity this is a real huge opportunity because Jeffrey Tambor had been embroiled in this abuse thing, whether it was verbal abuse. And what could have happened was that they could have shown that Jeffrey Tambor was extremely sorry. He'd made it up to Jessica Waller. He'd had a conversation with the entire team on there and apologized and apologized to her in front of the team and said, you know, I want to put it behind me. Um, if Jessica will allow us to put it behind us because it's her decision. And if she's comfortable with us moving on and doing this, then, that should be the way that we go about it. And it could have been framed in a completely different way. Um, yeah, and it could it's... have been one of those stories where someone did behave badly, in, you know, at work and, and was verbally abusive and actually apologized and earned an apology. And then the person who they abused actually accepted it and then they moved on. Instead, it was this, I think they were just comfortable in a blind spot and people really maybe wanted that. They were yearning for that from that crew because, you know, they're kind of one of our favorite cult families and we would have loved if they acted, you know, they sort of showed the way, but instead, it, you know, it ended up in this situation. So much for promoting the latest series. It's just oh. turned to a complete schmuckle. <laughs> yeah, like, so it's now now in damage control big time. Oh, but it's just, yeah, it's so half-assed. I'm sorry, their apologies. <laughs> yeah. It's just what Look, everyone it's... does when they're like, get pulled up, oh, really sorry, oh, really sorry. But it's like... You, Look, we're I, living in a time I, I think, of me too. You should be freaking aware, but no, they're just still stuck in their own heads and asses. I think it's yeah that reflex, right? They they think that the outsider is the, the the person at the New York Times is doing the interview, and so they go into defense mode and don't realize what they're defending. Mm-hmm. And it's just that really awkward thing now. But look, they they're, they're going to learn because they're going to learn with ratings. They're going to learn with interviews. They're going to learn with that. And 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 you know, again, hopefully this example you know, leads them to approach it in a completely different way next time. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, that was a mini rant, Blake. Sort of. From both of so us. I, 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 tried, I tried to, you know, you try and be fair in these situations, but, you know, and, and because they're all apologising and there's nothing that I'm going to say on this podcast that those guys aren't going to have to dig themselves out of a hole with. So, it's a massive yeah, hole it a because bit, it was little... like literally four of them in a hole. Yeah. They're, they're digging, they're, they've dug themselves down far enough. And look, I think the solo review is rant enough, so it's rant enough. <laughs> it is. But um, since you're joining us all the way from Melbourne, well, we'll let you get back to the second wedding of the year for you. Second wedding of the year. Yes. <laughs> some, 
it's another good good friends getting married down here and uh, very excited, so uh, getting ready for that. Awesome, but we'll have a proper, proper bumper edition of a Gaggle of Geeks for our usual Guys, it will way. be so big, you will turn it off halfway through. That's how big it's going to be. <laughs> well, you had no we had so much planned for this episode, and then Blake's like, I'm at a wedding. I can't talk anymore. <laughs> so I'm sorry. The priest is telling me to stop talking. <laughs> Keep talking, Blake. It's more important than your friends at a wedding. <laughs> But we'll let you go. But thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next week for a proper bumper podcast. Gaggle of Geeks. Gaggle of Geeks. Um, what do you, they do when they want to find us, Blake? Uh, guys, if you want to jump on to at 2SER on the Twitters or just 2SER.com is always the way you can find us. I am individually on Twitter at Blake is Batman. Soph is at Soph underscore lie. If you go to any of your podcast providers, including Wooshka, if you want to listen on your desktop at work, we are... To us, you gaggle of geeks. Just search it in there. You will find us. Um, but until next time. Oh, so much to talk about next time. Quite excited so for much. next time. Our oh, next time is going to be news, reviews, and people reeling with abuse of this solo review. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gave it. What did you give it, Blake? One and a half stars, I would give it. So one that is stars. uno. To me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we knew it was going to be Uno. Uno. <laughs> destiny. Uno. Uno. <laughs> All right. Catch you then. Catch you then. Bye. Bye.